Alright you guys, today we have a very special Sunday because we have, um, man I, I started learning more about our guest speaker today, uh, Jim Ed Hardaway, he is my brother from another mother, okay, because not only is he a brother in Christ, but he's also, check this out, he's also a preacher's kid. Okay. He actually has a book called Dang That Red-Headed Preacher's Kid, all right? And uh, you can find him out on jimedhardaway.com. Not only is he a preacher's kid, but he is married and he has three boys, just like me. So he's been married to his wife, Tanya, for 28 years. They have three boys, two, two grown adult children, and one more that's going to graduate from high school. So he'll be an empty nester in about eight weeks. And, you know, he is an evangelist uh, uh, advocate, and uh, he's worked with Compassion for many years, over 29 years, he spent his life for social justice and helping children who are in poverty. So I love his heart for, for people. I love his heart for God. And you know what else? Why he's my brother from another mother? Because on his website, he says that he is a taco enthusiast, right? And uh, he had me at taco enthusiast. Because if you go to my Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, it says burrito connoisseur, all right? And so I'm a burrito connoisseur. He's a taco enthusiast. And so it's my dear privilege for, for you guys to welcome Jim Hardaway. Could you welcome Jim? I didn't know I said that, awesome. Good morning, guys. Good, man, I'm so stoked to be here. Uh, I was just leaning over telling Damon, man, I just, I, I got a chance to visit your church uh, last year. In fact, that was Sunday. Damon wimped out. He said he was sick, but Justine met me here. <laughs> and uh, I just feel right at home, man. You guys have a great community. I love the spirit here. Pastor John, uh, you and Renee have done a great job. And so thanks for having me. So uh, my, my, my whole deal is uh, this is not about me. I'm not arriving on the scene with a bunch of my opinions, and I'm not here to wow you or impress you. My whole job is to remind you what God's Word says, uh, and my, my, my heart is to motivate and inspire you. So after we finish our time this morning, I want you to leave encouraged. Uh, in fact, uh, when I was talking to Pastor John on the phone and get ready for this morning, uh, he said, you know, feel free to pull out one of your top five. You know, all of us preachers have our, our top five, you know, our go-tos. Like, this is the moneymaker right here. And, uh, and, you know, I was just happy. He sent me the, the series, uh, Commission or Commission, and uh, I, I want to join into that. And so that's my heart, is to support you and what you're studying in the Word. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. Is that, is that cool? Yeah. Uh, as, as Pastor John said, I have a beautiful wife of 28 years. I've got a, a picture here, and I think this is one she's got her, uh, her got, she's got her cowboy boots on. Justine's got some cowboy boots from San Antonio. So there we, there we go. And, and, and as, as this men know, I am nothing without that woman right there. How she's tolerated me for 28 years, I have no idea. But she, I love her, and I so wish she could be here. She wishes she could be here. Uh, so hopefully she'll get to come with me one day and, and meet you guys at New Hope. Um, another thing we were talking about uh, when I was talking on the phone with Pastor John, just connecting, and um, I just feel obligated to tell you this church to, so you can keep your pastor accountable. And, and uh, he just said, he said, Jim, uh, just be praying for us Hawaiians. It's 69 degrees. 
So I'm from Colorado, and uh, last week, this was the front of my house. So, brother, I'm just keeping all things in perspective. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. No, they, they literally called this in weather. It was, we've been there since 2004. This was called a bomb cyclone. So it was uh, 94 mile an hour winds, which is the same. You guys know hurricanes. It's the same as an H2 hurricane or an F1 tornado. So we were just cooped up in the house, you know, watching Napoleon Dynamite and Nacho Libre again and <laughs> overeating uh, tacos and those kind of things. So, <laughs> well, cool. Well, I'm, I'm prayed up and, and ready to go. I had my hour of power and a shower this morning. Nobody likes a stinky preacher. So, uh, uh, I, I prayed that God would be in our presence this morning. I prayed that God would make me skinny, but that didn't happen. Some things are our responsibility, and so that's on me. But let's pray as we start the, the word this morning. Lord, we love you, God. Be with us in these next few minutes, Lord. It is all about you, Jesus. And God, we are here in this place because we love you. And God, this is not just so we can just soak up for us, but God, this is so we can get what we need to go out into the world and be a light, Matthew 5, 16, to our community and the great commission and change the world. And so, Lord, give us your presence and your power and that motivating spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. I love this. This is just a free thing here. I love to throw out some free things. Uh, just reading the word this week. And I, at Psalm 75, verse 1 in the Message Bible, I love this. We thank you, God. We thank you. I love these words. Your name is our favorite word. Isn't that cool? Your mighty works are all we talk about. So that's going to kind of lend. I just read that. Man, that really lends into what, we're, what you guys are studying about being disciples and reaching your community and changing the world. Last week, Pastor John kicked off the series talking about God's authority uh, and how that's the driving force behind what we do. 1 Corinthians 15, 27, for he, the Father, has put all things in, subject in, uh, in subjection under his feet, Christ's feet. Romans 14, 9, the anointing one. And the voice, says, uh, the voice translation says, the anointed one, the liberating king, died and returned to life to make this a reality. So this is the basis of discipleship. So I want to just kind of segue. We're going to talk about just surrendering this morning. But I want, to segue, I want to segue off of that message last week in God's authority and talk about the consistency and how God remains consistent in our lives. Because that's the foundation of why we go is because of who Christ has made us. Now, we each have a story we'll talk about at the end of the message. God, the beautiful thing about the Lord is we each have a story, a place in his story. He's brought us into the big picture. So we are players in the kingdom of God. He is involving us in his story. That's a beautiful thing. That's the great thing about being a Christian. Amen? Joe 22:21 says, Surrender to God Almighty. You will find peace and prosperity. Pastor John just said these, this scripture before the announcements. March 12, Mark 12, 30 and 31. Jesus said, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's all encompassing. That's what it means just to surrender. You remember that there was the conversation of what do we need to do? We need to do this and this and the commandments and this. And Jesus said, wait, 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 wait a minute. Just If you'll just love me with everything you have. That's what Jesus, just surrender your life to me, and it's, that's what matters. And so everybody's like, yeah, that's great. I can do that. God, I love you anyway. We say that this morning, but Jesus said, hey, wait a minute, and love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, man. I was right there. It was all good. Accountability. It's about others. It's about reaching that annoying neighbor who's playing his Van Halen, you know, at 1130 at night, and you're trying to go to sleep. God loves him. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. So number one, God remains constant. Now I'm going to, this is going to be maybe a weird little detour, but one of the things I, I, I was sharing this with Pastor John as well, one of the things when I speak, it's usually from what I'm going through in my life. I just, it, as I'm studying the word, as if, I, if I get an opportunity, I'm just, man, it just usually what I end up, in, when I start my notes, is exactly what I'm navigating. And I've found that the most comforting thing for me as I speak is there's a handful of people who are navigating the same thing. And it's this life relationship, it's this connection we have as a community. So this might sound like a little detour, but I want to set a foundation here that starts with you and me and how God is going to use us. Now, you know this, that you've heard this scripture in John 8, 58. This was shortly after um, some religious leaders, the lady was caught in adultery, and they bring her before Jesus, and they want to stone her, and Jesus writes his fingers in the sand. He says, he that's without sin, let him cast the first stone, and they all, you know, they disperse. So Jesus is going through this series of trials, these confrontations, where he is, he is being challenged. His authority, his very person of who he is, and what he has come to do is being challenged by the Jews. And so they're, ca- they're trying to catch him in these conversations, and, and they get in this conversation in John chapter 8 about their father Abraham. And they just begin to contest with him and say, what about you? You're greater than our father Abraham. And it's going back and forth. And just like, just like in Mark 12, 30, Jesus just stops it. And I, I love this, man. It's so cool. John 8, 58, Jesus said, before Abraham was born, I am. That's pretty cool, man. Jesus was legit, man. He just shut the conversation down. He said, let's just stop the argument right now. Before he even was, before Abraham was, I am. Now, I want to read a little bit of Matthew Henry's commentary about this. What if Jesus, when he was saying this, now, he wasn't trying to be a hot shot. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't mowing out his chest is an insult. He was establishing his authority. Actually, he was trying to show them the big picture. It was about submission. It was about surrendering. And there was that, there was that tension that he was dealing with in establishing who he was. But, but he established himself in this statement, first is God. First is God. I am the name of God. You remember in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, God says to, to, uh, to Moses, he says, I am. Tell him I am sent you. And then verse 15, I love this. He says, this is my memorial name to all generations. It's, it's never ending. I am God. It, it's not I was, it's I am. So he established himself as God. And secondly, as mediator. Isn't that cool? We read that in Scripture. Jesus is at the right hand of the throne. He constantly makes intercession for us. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. He's our mediator. He was the appointed Messiah long before Abraham, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, Revelations 13, 8. The channel channel of conveyance of light, life, and love from God to man. Jesus established his authority, I am. So I want to address the problem this morning. As we talk about discipleship, as we talk about reaching our community, I want to establish this morning the problem with thinking that you have to have it all together before you start reaching people. You remember that, man? Some of you guys who were married, you know, you remember that? My, the coolest thing about my wife, Tanya's the only girl I ever dated. She's my high school sweetheart. We dated for five years, and, and then we've been married for, so we've been married, what's 28 plus 5, Damon? Oh, my goodness, I need my calculator watch. We were together for 33 years, a long time. 
And, uh, but I, I remember some of those thoughts when we get married, you know, we got to save enough money, and, you know, what's that, you know, what are we going to do? And you start, and you, you put it off and those kind of things. It, it's, it, you know, and we can do the same thing in our life. Well, I can't start reaching people. You know, I'm dealing with this right now, and, and we got this going on. And we begin to overthink, overthink things. And, and I want to really blend this, this where you're at today and whatever you're navigating I want to pull this together with what God can use in our life every single day and get ready for this, not in having it all together, but in using where we're at right now to change the lives of people. And let me just say this, whatever problem you're going through, if it's financially, if it's physically, if it's mentally, before your problem, guess what? Jesus was, I am. He was, I am. He's constant. He's the mediator. So I... I, I one of the things I, I, I was telling Pastor John, I've been working on this message called Yet. And it's, it, I was inspired by the worship song, He's Never Failed Me Yet. And, and, and it just this thing with humanness. And I grew up in the church. I was a preacher's kid. I accepted Christ at four and a half years old. I, I, you know, I, I used to sneak into the closet and eat the, eat the communion wafers and, you know, drink all the grape juice. And I was... <laughs> I was that kid, man. So I grew up in the church, and my mom used to have that little loaf of bread with the scriptures in it, you know, and she taught me how to memorize scriptures. And so I was immersed in the things of God, walked with God. Am I perfect? <laughs> no way. But just having walked with God all, uh, for so many years, and I've really in the last uh, two or three years navigated some of the most difficult trials in my life, things that I completely don't, uh, don't understand. I'm, I'm going to... I have no problem in being transparent, uh, but, and I'm going to just be honest with you. So summer before last, I was dealing with a situation, and it was specifically with a person. There was some, some malicious things, and I mean, it was intense, and I mean, I, mean, I remember being out shopping with uh, my wife, Tanya, one Saturday, and I just, I just broke down, just sobbing. It was so ridiculous, I had to leave out of the store and go out, out, out into the car. I had several emotional breakdowns like that because of the situation. Come to find out, Tanya was like, we, got, we, got, we need to go to the doctor. We need to get it. We just need to, we need to start. I started some counseling, and uh, I got diagnosed with major depression. And my first reaction was, I'm so ashamed. Like, this is ridiculous. This is not me, and I don't want, you know, that was the news, but that's not the truth. The news was I was dealing with this situation in my physical body, and it was going to be just for a season. But the truth is, I have the mind of Christ. The truth is, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and what? Sound mind. So that was the news, but I know the truth. And God is, I am in my situation. So I, in this, God was teaching me something spiritual, and I felt so ashamed of my humanness. But you know what? Jesus embraces our humanness. I think sometimes we as Christians are too hard on ourselves because we're human. But God made us human, and he embraces our humanness. He, he, he loves us right where we're at. Before your problem, your struggle, your trials, God was I am. So through this situation, I, I, I kind of withdrew a little bit, and, man, and some of it was, it was, was necessary. And just, you know, sometimes I, I just got to look out for number one, and I needed healing. I needed to focus. I needed to take care of my family. needed to get through this. But, but at the same time, I had a close friend who was dealing with some similar struggles in a different situation. And so God binded us and we bonded us and we began to send text messages just random. We made a commitment throughout the day. If I thought about him, I would just send a text message thinking about you today, brother, praying for you. 
And sometimes I found out when you help somebody else through their problems, it naturally helps you, you through yours. And so, and also it puts things in perspective. So, man, I can have a good pity party, man. I can throw a good pity party. So the days I wanted to have a big pity party, I would be reminded of my friend. It's like, man, Lord, all things in perspective. But that encouragement and that hope. Psalms 34, 18, the Lord is there to rescue all who are discouraged and have given up hope. I wrote this in my journal on February 10th, 2019, just a few days ago. I wrote this. Walked with God for all these years. I'm trying to believe it, and that's okay. I'm trying. I put it in italics. I'm trying to believe it, and that's okay. Man, you read the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms was the psalmist going, man, God, what in the world are you doing, man? You, this, look at my enemies are prevailing, man. Good, you know, good things happen to bad people, and bad things happen to good people, and there was a struggle. There was questions. There were some intense questions. There was almost the psalmist at times pointing their finger at God, just, you know, like dangerous, contesting the authority. But you know what the psalmist always came back to? I don't understand. I don't have answers to my questions. But, God, I trust you because you're I am. I'm trying to believe it. Church, it's okay. Don't deny your humanness. We have the authority. We have the life of Christ. We're new creations, but we are very human. But God is in us, all right? I wrote a little devotional in, in 2012 called Surrender, and I want you to listen to these words. So maybe if you're here this morning, you're, you're, maybe it's with finances. And just, man, it's been tough, and things have been overwhelming, and it's affected your family, and there's been struggles. Hang in there. Maybe you lost your job. Man, you don't know what tomorrow holds. Listen to these words I wrote in 2012. What if we didn't win, what if we didn't win the race because God wants us to play a role and encouraging the other losers? What if we didn't get the job promotion because God wants us to invest in the lives of people around us right where we're at? When you begin to think like this, it opens up a whole new perspective, doesn't it? Ask yourself this humbling question. Isn't there more to life than just what I want, need, or expect? It only takes a few nanoseconds of our pride or selfishness to be exposed. Maybe if you got the large sum of money from the financial investment, it would move you from the community God needs you to influence. Would it be more rewarding to get a bigger house or a nicer car or impact the life of someone for eternity? It's a good checkpoint. God wants to take us on. I love this picture. So you're navigating these things. You're living life. And this is what it feels like sometimes, doesn't it? This is exactly what it feels like, man. This is God on the right. And this is you. You know, you just, you're going for it, and you're hanging on for dear life. You don't know what's going to happen, what's around the corner, or if you're going to make it out alive. Psalms 13, 5, and the message says, I've thrown myself headlong into your arms, and I'm celebrating the rescue. I've thrown myself headlong into your arms, and I'm celebrating your rescue. So let's, let's just remind ourselves of that. Number two, God isn't shaking his finger at you. Romans 8, 1, you guys know it. There's therefore now, what, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does verse 2 say? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. God isn't shaking his finger at you. I love this quote from Greg, uh, Craig Rochelle. You must respect the season you're in. Give yourself permission to be a little out of balance. Don't feel guilty when you're focused on what's appropriate during this season. Wherever you are, be all there. Jesus loves us as we are, 
but he sees us as we could be. God doesn't deny our humanness. Now, I want to, I want to read Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, I mean, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 through 18, the message, because I want to establish in, in Scripture with our humanness. This, is, this, this Scripture tells us why the purpose of Jesus coming. You know, Jesus Christ came as son of, the Son of God. He was the Son of God, and he was the Son of Man. I want to read it out of the message translation because it's beautifully written. It says this, Since the children are made of flesh and blood, it's logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood in order to rescue them by his death. By embracing death, taking it into himself, he destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. It's obvious, of course, that he didn't go to all this trouble for angels. It was for people like us, children of Abraham. That's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then, when he came before God as high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself. All the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. Here's another great quote by Jonathan Martin. It says, in you is the capacity to love and to live without needing the world to work out a certain way in order for you to stay, for you to be okay. Your life and your existence is contingent on God but it is not contingent on anyone else or anything else. I had some friend, uh, a friend, uh, uh, a lifelong friend. She's in Jakarta, Indonesia right now working at a school, and, and uh, she gave me the greatest advice and the simplest of words it's in this time I was dealing with this. She says, nobody has the right to define you. Nobody has the right to define you. Only God defines you. So why did I say all that? Why did I, I, I know it feels like a detour, but I want to I wanna bring you around to that thought that, of feeling like before we begin to evangelize, before we begin to carry out the Great Commission in Matthew 28, we've, you don't have to have it all together. In fact, I believe God uses you and our stories in places, in your works, in your schools, in your communities. That's what God, you know, before you, and, and sometimes we get, we, we, we kind of equate discipleship and evangelism to something we're going to say. Do you know you've already been doing it? People are already watching you. That's a, that's a really eye-opening thing when you think about it. Oh, man. So it's not about having it together in a moment and moving forward. It's about always living the light of Jesus. We'll talk about that in Matthew 5, 16. Billy Graham said, so God wants to use your story. Billy Graham said, we are the Bibles the world is reading. We are the creeds the world is needing. We are the sermons the world is heeding. I had... When I, was, uh, when I was in youth group, I had one of those, those youth pastors. He was a zealot. I mean, the God, now, five-fold ministry, I, I believe firmly in it. I believe we all have giftings, but I believe some people are just geared. You know what I'm saying? And this guy could go out in the streets, man. He could witness to a flagpole, man, and it would get saved. I mean, it was ridiculous, man. He, from the guttermost to the uttermost, that guy was. So he used to drag us out, and, and I'm, I'm really aging myself here, but um, let's see, I've got one here. Uh, he used to drag us out in the streets, man, to the part of, you know, that part of town, and he would give us, he would give us, give us pocket full of these, they were called chick tracks. And, you know, they were these little comic books, you know. This one was called One Way. And uh, I think I've got a picture of some more over there. And, and you read this little comic book, and what, what's happening, you're like you're reading this comic book, and you're smiling, and you're laughing, and in the end you realize you might be going to hell, man. And so, so, so we're out there giving these to people, you know, and we're just scared to death, you know. And, I was, man, I just have to be honest, that was not my, my makeup. It was mortifying. 
and, and his, his intentions were good, but I think for me and a few others in the group, it was, it was more counterproductive than it was. And, and, and he did, his intentions were good. We need to win souls, and we, we, need, we need to win souls. But, man, that just was not my, my thing. I got a little more comfortable. They did have this thing. I couldn't find one, but it was called a $20 track. And you used to fold it in half, and it looked just like a $20 bill. So I used to go in the grocery store, man, and drop them on the cereal aisle across from the Captain Crunch, you know, and then wait at the end and watch people get it, you know, and like those suckers, you know. And I don't know if that's good evangelism either, you know. I mean, they get it and then they're mad at God because they, they really needed the 20 bucks, man. So, so you know, so that we have our methods and our ways, but I think we overthink it. We get in the way of God. And besides that, man, I, I'm really humbling myself here. Uh, I have a picture of me. In, 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 this is me in 1989. This is, one of, this is one of my senior pictures. I just wanted to be a rock star, man. I, I didn't want to pass out chick tracks on the street. Oh, man. So don't take a picture of that, man. Oh, I have fun, though. So, so, and I'm not endorsing this, Pastor John, forgive me. I'm not endorsing this. I do this. I'm not telling you to do it. But I, I even when I stay at hotels, if, if they have a Book of Mormon, it disappears. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so uh, I always open the drawer and make sure the Bible's there. But if there's a Book of Mormon, it disappears. And uh, I was speaking at a church in Houston in the, at the end of last year. And I opened up the draw, drawer at the Marriott there. And I found the Book of Mormon, and, and for some reason, I just flipped it open. I don't know what, but I was getting ready to remove it, and uh, I found this written on the inside pages of the Book of Mormon. First page, when you open up, this was written. This is what it said. I've read this book, and it's an incredible testament, testament of Jesus Christ. It has truly changed my life. Give the book a try. It can change your life also. So before the book disappeared, I tore this out and kept it because if we're not going to disciple and, and, and reach people, somebody will. Somebody will. So we've got to, it was a good reminder to me because I've kind of slacked up on doing the things I need to do and being as bold as I need to be. And so I kept that as a reminder. And that was a little tactical espionage for the kingdom of God. Amen. A little guerrilla warfare. <clears throat> but I believe Matthew 5, 16, Jesus wrote that just for me. And I'll share it with you too. But I believe he, he, he wrote that when he's talking about being the light of the world. He takes a little pressure off. We, we, man, we overcomplicate things. Man, Christians can mess things up in a minute. We overthink it. Jesus said these simple words. He said, let your light so shine before men that they what? See your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. He doesn't say you have to have all the right words. He didn't say you have to go out to the worst part of town and pass out chick tracks. He didn't say you have to, you have to, you're scared to death and you have to walk. Now the Holy Spirit might quicken you to do certain things, but Jesus just says, let your light shine. Your life should just be an example of me. They should just look at you and know there's something different. I made up these little cards and it has not, no Bible on it, but this is a little Bigfoot I drew because every, who doesn't like Sasquatch? It's kind of like tacos. It's a universal thing. <laughs> So, and, it's, and it says, I believe in you. And I just leave these in tips, like in the waiter and the check thing, you know, and pay it, or I'll, I'll pass it off to somebody. And it's just got a, a C.S. Lewis quote on the back. It says, we are what we believe we are. 
So it's a little subtle evangelism. Everybody knows C.S. Lewis. Wow, lion, witch in the wardrobe. C.S. Lewis was a Christian. Maybe they'll investigate. But it's just a simple act. Let your light shine. Maybe it leads to a conversation. You never know. Have some fun with it. But just begin to do. Don't wait for a moment. Begin to do. Begin to live. I want to close with this illustration. In 2008, for many of you guys, you've been on a, maybe a trip overseas. And, and you know if you've ever gone on a trip, maybe you've been on a trip with Compassion or you've been on a mission trip. Uh, through an organization, but they're life-changing. And when you go on trips, you usually have your moment. You know, it's just that one thing. You know, everything was great. Yeah, we did this. We ate this. We got sick. It was, but it was an awesome trip. But you have your one takeaway. In 2008, uh, in Uganda, Africa, my first trip to Africa, I had my takeaway. And it ended up being that uh, the trips that I've been since then, nothing has surpassed this moment. It's literally been the takeaway of all trips so far. But we were at the Child Project, and it's so fun, and the kids, you know, you pass out, they got stickers all over their faces and hands, and they're sticky from bubbles, you know, they're so happy you're there. And it got to the moment, we've been playing with them, and it was lunchtime. So we get down, and they always let the Compassion sponsors and crew, you know, serve the kids, and so we're putting beans and rice in their little plastic bowls, and they're passing them around, they're getting them, and they're going and sitting in groups, and then we ate. And so as we're eating, we're walking around, and, uh, and, and, and we're looking, watching the kids, and we noticed, and several of, of us in the group, in fact, we were kind of spreading the word, we noticed this little girl, and she was setting off by herself. Most of the kids were in groups of three, four, five plus, and she was sitting by herself on the, on the bottom of these stairs, and she had a black plastic bag just like this. And she was taking, she laid the bag out on the ground and she had her food and she had eaten half of it and she was taking the other half and she was putting it in the plastic bag and wrapping it up. Now our first thought was what? Well she's taking it home. You know, she's saving it for later or whatever. And so so eventually I, I was my curiosity had gotten the best of me. So I asked one of the project workers, I said, what is that little, little girl doing? And she said she's taking that friend that home that food home. I've got a picture of her. She's taking that food to a friend her age who's not in the compassion program. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just lost it. We're all crying, man. I saw more Jesus in this little girl than I've ever seen in any speaker, any evangelist, any that in my life. Because she was taking what she had and she was changing the lives of people in her community. She didn't have to have all the words to say. She wasn't worried about her own poverty and that I'm sacrificing. She was taking care of a friend who didn't have the same benefits. That's reaching your world for Jesus. That's not having all the right words to say, but just obeying the Great Commission, letting her light shine. Another excerpt from the piece in 2012 called Surrender. I recently received some wisdom from a friend of me, and I just mentioned this a minute ago, regarding the situation I'm going through. In essence, she encouraged me by saying, no one or no thing has a right to define me or limit me. God defines me. That's all the more reason to surrender. There it is. Just surrender to the one who loves you the most and knows you best. In the end, your life should be a beautiful illustration of salvation. Think of salvation like this. God taking residence in your life. Don't charge him rent through prayers that always ask things of him but never give back. Let your communion with God be a beautiful exchange of praise for his protection, blessings for his abundance, and worship for his indescribable works. 
Raise your white flag in complete surrender to God's will. When all, you la- when all you have left at the end of your rope is trusting God, hold on as if your life depends on it, because it does. We serve a great God, amen? I want to pray for you, and then I'm going to let Pastor John come up. But my prayer for you, church, is as you continue this series, next week Pastor John's going to be talking about that, just going, just beginning to go and reach your community, making disciples. You know, when Jesus said that in the, great, in the great Commission, he said, go and make disciples. He didn't say go and get people saved. He said go and make disciples because that's an investment. That takes time. It takes commitment. It's the same investment in Proverbs, train up a child in the way he should go. You don't just tell your child one thing at age three years, do this the rest of your life, you'll be okay. Oh, every day, get your hands off of it. No, you have to train them every day. Teach them. No, that'll hurt you. Don't do this. No, this. You need to act like this. Yo, go give them a hug. It's an investment because why? You love them. 1231, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, but God, you don't know my neighbor, man. God's horrible. Here's the restroom in my bushes. Love them. Love them. Lord, I thank you, God, for your heart. For the world. And God, we need that same compassion. God, we need a heart that says, Lord, I want to reach the people around me. I want to be that light. So, God, I pray for New Hope Community Church, God, that you would just fill this community with the love of Jesus. And I feel it in this place, Lord. I sense your presence in the lives of these people, Lord. And, God, there's a community around us, Lord, uh, that needs the message and the hope of Jesus. So, God, through the little things that we do every day, whether it's at work or school, God, just teach us and show us the moments. God, the things that we can do that are not so complicated, but, God, that we can begin to reach the people around us. And, God, we're just going to trust that to you, God. But we are going to be obedient. 1 Samuel 15, obedience is better than sacrifice. God, we want to obey your word. And, God, we want to reach those around us, Lord. In the moments when we don't feel so bold, God, give us the boldest we need. Because, God, it might mean the difference in somebody's life that day. In Jesus' name. Hey, could we say thank you so much to Pastor Jim? Thank you. What a great word. Thank you so much.